Blog Talk Radio.
Hallelujah. Let the kingdom of God come. That's what we're going to be talking about this evening. We want God's kingdom to come on earth as it is demonstrated, activated, and taking place all the time in heaven. Good evening. This is your Sister Pearl within the Word with Sister Pearl on Reaching Out Radio International. I am thrilled to be with you another time in the wonderful name that's above every other name, and that's the precious, magnificent name of Jesus. There's no other name like his name. He is just awesome. Actually, many of you know over the years, if you've been listening to your sister Pearl, I do not call anyone else awesome, which means to be revered, uh, to be in awe of, to be reverenced the way that I would call God awesome. So I've reserved this adjective only for God Almighty, awesome God. It's so wonderful to be with you another time. Um, I'm hoping that you're doing well, praying that you're staying very close to Jesus. Um, I'm excited to bring part two of Let Your Kingdom Come. Last, two weeks ago was the last time I was with you because I had to speak someplace else last Sunday. But um, two weeks ago, we talked about, we brought part one of Let Your Kingdom Come. And of course, we're talking about the kingdom of the Lord, Jesus Christ the kingdom of God, we want God's kingdom demonstrated on the earth. So I have a lot to share with you tonight. If for some reason you didn't catch um, the first part of Let Your Kingdom Come, I invite you. You can always catch it online uh, at Reaching Out Radio International. You know how to do it. So Go back, please, if you have not caught part one. When you get the opportunity, do listen to that. It will help this one to make a lot more sense. But even if you haven't learned that one or heard that one, I I assure you that you will benefit from listening to tonight. So as we always do, we welcome you from around the world, wherever you're uh, listening from, uh, from Whatever continent, we just want to bless you in the name that's higher above every name. Bless you in the name of Jesus. And let's just open up our time in prayer. Heavenly Father, we're so grateful for this another opportunity in awe of you. Abba, Father, those of us that know you as our Heavenly Father, because we have been born again, we've been washed in the blood of Jesus. Our sins have been wiped away because of your blood. We have been forgiven. We know that heaven belongs to us. And we do pray for the many people who may be listening who do not yet know you uh, in the pardon of their sins. But we pray that tonight that you would just woo them to yourself Uh, Draw them by your Holy Spirit. Let them know that you have a tremendous plan and purpose for their lives. You want them to, to do more than just exist. You want them to experience life. And the only way that we can truly experience life to the fullest 
is to have Jesus as our Savior, to know Jesus as our Lord, to have our sins forgiven. So I pray that every man and every woman, every young boy, every young girl listening to the broadcast tonight, whether they be in Africa or Asia or Australia, North America, South America, Europe, in the Caribbean, in the islands of this world, wherever they're listening, Lord God, draw them to you, Jesus. Captivate their hearts and minds and glorify yourself, honor yourself in the word that's going to be brought forth tonight. And for those that already know you and love you and seek to follow you, I pray that you would make this word come alive to them. Uh, Help them to understand, become against distraction, become against any kind of plot and ploy that the enemy might try to use to distract them. We pray that they would be on target and that they would hear uh, not only audibly, but they would hear in the spirit, oh God. Breathe a rhema word to each one that hears tonight. And above all, be glorified. Uh, We bind all distraction and we pray for just freedom across these airways. And across the internet, in Jesus' name we pray, amen and amen. So we thank God that we have another opportunity uh, to come before you tonight and present part two. You know, during this very first month of the year, I'm sensing daily from the Lord that all of us who call him Lord have got to be about promoting and demonstrating his kingdom on the earth. That's it. We don't need to get involved in a lot of other stuff. What we need to be intentionally focusing in on and capitalizing on is to be demonstrating God's kingdom. Forget about, you know, trying to be appropriating and promoting the kingdoms of this world. We know that the governments and kingdoms of this world are not for the most part, I would say 99% part, they're not lining up with God and his kingdom. For centuries, people claiming to be Christians and followers of the Lord Jesus Christ, we've been reciting and praying the Lord's Prayer. Yet many of us are intentionally, how many of us, I should ask this question, how many of us that are praying daily Or whenever we pray the Lord's Prayer, how many of us are intentionally, that means we purposefully, we are willfully, we're going out of our way to seek to demonstrate his kingdom on the earth. Where you are, no matter where you are or where I am, make sure that this is something that we pray about, that we seek God about, that we are cognizant, that means we're aware of, we're aware of of demonstrating and not only praying by rote or, you know, just by, you know, habit, but that we are mindful of what we're praying about. Let your kingdom come on earth as it is 
in heaven. Amen. Amen. So the primary verse that I uh, use as our scripture text for tonight's portion of the message, Let Your Kingdom Come, is this one. I'm going to read from 1 Corinthians chapter 4, verses 18 through 20. Some of you have become arrogant, as if I were not coming to you. But I will come to you very soon, if the Lord is willing, and then I will find out not only how these arrogant people are talking, but what power they have. For the kingdom, now look at verse 20, for the kingdom of God is not a matter of talk, but of power. Wow. That was 1 Corinthians, what I just read. 1 Corinthians, this is Paul the Apostle speaking to the church at Corinth. But of course, he is not just speaking to the church at Corinth. He's speaking to you. He's speaking to me. He's speaking to the church today in 2023, January the 29th. He's speaking to you. He's speaking to me. Now, I want to read to you verse 20 in the New Living Translation because it reads like this. For the kingdom of God is not just a lot of talk. It is living by God's power. The Amplified Bible puts it this way. For the kingdom of God is not based on talk, but on power. Now, what is the kingdom of God? The Bible tells us, and again, this is Paul the Apostle speaking to the church at Rome. And so this scripture text is found in Romans chapter 14 and verse 17. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace, and joy in the Holy Spirit. Now, why did the apostle Paul explain that God's kingdom is not based on what one eats and drinks. However, it is so much more than that. Why did he feel it necessary to make such a statement? Now, I'm going to take the time and I'm going to read this scripture text in context so that we can learn what led to this revelation that Paul is bringing to the church at Rome. So I'm going to read for you the entire chapter of Romans 14. And it goes like this, except the one whose faith is weak without quarreling over disputable matters. One person's faith allows them to eat anything, but another whose faith is weak eats only vegetables. Well, that that really speaks to the whole vegan crowd right there. I'm just saying. Verse 3. The one who eats everything must not treat with contempt the one who does not. And the one who does not eat everything must not judge the one who does, for God has accepted them. Verse 4, who are you to judge someone else's servant? To their own master's servant stand or fall, and they will stand, for the Lord is able to make them stand. One person considers one day more sacred than another. Another considers every day alike. Each of them should be fully convinced in their own mind. 
Whoever regards one day as special does so to the Lord. Whoever eats meat does so to the Lord, for they give thanks to God. And whoever abstains does so to the Lord and gives thanks to God. For none of us lives for ourselves alone. And none of us dies for ourselves alone. If we live, we live for the Lord. And if we die, we die for the Lord. So whether we live or die, we belong to the Lord. For this very reason, Christ died and returned to life so that he might be the Lord of both the living and the dead, both of the dead and the living. Verse 10, you then, why do you judge your brother or sister? Or why do you treat them with contempt? For we all, we will all stand before God's judgment seat. It is written, as surely as I live, says the Lord, every knee will bow before me. Every tongue will acknowledge God. So then, each of us will give an account of ourselves to God. Therefore, let us stop passing judgment on one another. Instead, make up your mind not to put any stumbling block or obstacle in the way of a brother or sister. I'm convinced, being fully persuaded in the Lord Jesus, that nothing is unclean in itself. But if anyone regards something as unclean, then for that person it is unclean. If your brother or sister is distressed because of what you eat, you are no longer acting in love. Do not by any do not by your eating destroy someone for whom Christ died. Therefore, do not let what you know is good be spoken of as evil. Now here goes that verse that I had said in the very beginning. For the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking, but of righteousness, peace. And joy in the Holy Spirit, because anyone who serves Christ in this way is pleasing to God and receives human approval. Let us therefore make every effort to do what leads to peace and to mutual edification. Do not destroy the work of God for the sake of food. All food is clean, but it is wrong for a person to eat anything that causes someone else to stumble. It is better not to eat meat or drink wine or to do anything else that will cause your brother or sister to fall. So whatever you believe about these things, keep between yourself and God. Blessed is the one who does not condemn himself by what he approves. But whoever has doubts is condemned if they eat because their eating is not from faith and everything that does not come from faith is sin. Wow. I just read to you the entire chapter of Romans 14. I think many years ago I preached on that last verse, that whatever is not done from faith is sin. So let's go back to verse 17. And I think now, after I've already read the entire chapter, we can see in context what Paul the Apostle meant and what he was saying to the church at Rome. The kingdom of God is not a matter of what you eat and what you drink. So let's not spend, you know, hours and weeks and months 
you know, debating back and forth, can we eat pork, can we not eat pork, can we eat vegetables, or should we not, you know, not eat, you know, not eat any meat, you know, not eat butter, not eat certain types of fish. Let's not get into this debate. You can talk about it with a friend, you know, quietly and in peace, but let's not make it a matter of trying to say that that pertains to the kingdom of God. Because whether you eat meat or you don't eat meat, that has nothing to do with you demonstrating the kingdom of God. The kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. It's not a matter of can some Christians, they feel fine drinking a, a glass of wine and others don't. That's not, that's not what you should be occupied with. That's not what I should be concerned with. What I have to concern myself with is what pertains to the kingdom of God. And what pertains to the kingdom of God is righteousness. Am I in a right relationship with God? Am I living in the peace of God? Is my life demonstrating the, the tranquility? Am I sensing the peace that comes only from the Lord? We know that Jesus said in this world, you will have tribulation. He said that as a matter of fact. But he comes to give peace. As, as a matter of fact, he is the prince of peace. And, and there is joy in the Holy Ghost. There's joy in the Holy Spirit. It's, it, the kingdom is not about can I eat pork or can I not eat pork? Can I eat meat or should I just be vegetarian or vegan? It's not what the king. Now, in, especially in 2023, I see too many Christians getting all caught up in this. Now, if you want to be a vegan, that's your business. But that should not be what your whole life is about. And it certainly has nothing to do with, you know, is God going to condemn me if I put a piece of meat in my mouth? No. No. Now, I have friends who are uh, strictly following the law as far as in the Old Testament that was given to the, the Hebrew children, and they will not eat pork. That's fine. They will not eat shellfish. That's fine. And when I go to their home or they come to my house, because I've had my friend that, that, that is a seven-day Adventist, she's come to my home or other friends that are not seven-day, but they're, they're Christians as I am, but they do not eat pork, they do not eat shellfish. When I cook for them, I am not cooking pork. I'm not going to dishonor them and make them feel uncomfortable in my home. I'm not cooking anything with pork when they come over. I'm not cooking shellfish for them and saying, well, I'm free. I'm, I eat shellfish. So I'm going to give you some. No, I'm not going to do that. That's not going to honor Christ. That's going to cause contention. And if I go to their house, I'm, I'm going to eat what's put before me, pray for it, and eat what's put before me. I am not going to complain that, well, you didn't give me meat or you didn't give me that's not going to lift up the kingdom. That's not going to be demonstrating the kingdom. So the kingdom of God is not a matter of eating and drinking. Please, if you see certain, you know, denominations stressing on and what you eat, this is not kingdom business. 
This is that denomination's business. But it does not glorify the kingdom of God. It's clear. It's clear. Amen? And then in Mark chapter 16, let's, let's look again. What pertains to the kingdom of God? And, and how does the kingdom of God that's being manifested, what does it look like? Mark chapter 16, verses 15 through 18. Go into all the world and preach the gospel to all creation. Whoever believes and is baptized will be saved, but whoever does not believe will be condemned. Right? They're, they're going to be condemned. And these signs will follow, they will accompany those who believe. In my name, they will drive out demons. They will speak in new tongues. They will pick up snakes with their hands. And when they drink deadly poison, it will not hurt them at all. They will place their hands on sick people and they will get well. Now, many of you know that in some of your different translations of the Bible, it says, well, some manuscripts omit verses 9 through 18. They even say they omit, they omit. That means they leave out verses 9 through 20. Well, if Jesus never meant for us to do the works which he did, then why, why would he say what he said in John chapter 14 and verse 12? This is what Jesus said, the Gospel of John, 14, verse 12. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these, he will do. I go to do the, I go to the Father. Okay, so before we get to the greater works, because I know that really trips a lot of people up, Let's just take a moment to see what were some of the works that Jesus did do. Because remember, he said that the kingdom of God, he wants us to pray that the kingdom of God be manifested and demonstrated on earth as it is in heaven. Again, you're going to hear a lot about this when you go back to review part one. So some of you that heard it, you can go in and listen to it again at another time. But for those of you that have never heard part one, please go back. Well, Jesus healed. That's what he did when he came to the earth. He healed. He turned water into wine. He healed a nobleman's son at Capernaum in Galilee. You can find this. I'm not going to go through all these scriptures. I'm just going to give it to you. John chapter 4, verses 43 to 54. John chapter 4, the Gospel of John, chapter 4, verses 43 to 54. The nobleman believed that Jesus could heal his son and that he would live, and he did. Then Jesus heals Peter's Peter mother-in-law. Yes, Peter, contrary to the popes, was a married man. Peter, the first apostle, Peter, was a married man. 
He had a mother-in-law. You can't have a mother-in-law unless you're married. And the Bible tells us that Jesus touched Peter's mother-in-law's hand and the fever left her because she was sick. But Jesus touched her hand and the fever immediately left her. And she got up and began to minister to the disciples that came into Peter's home. You can find this in Matthew eight fourteen to 15, Mark chapter 1, 29 to 31, and also Luke 4, 38 to 39. Jesus, the Bible tells us, heals all who were sick. He said, all who were sick that came to him at an evening time. You can find this account in Matthew chapter 8, verses 16 through 17. Mark chapter 1, verses 32 to 34. And Luke chapter 4, verses 40 to 41. Jesus was healing everybody. Then Jesus cleansed a man with leprosy. Hmm. I remember in that portion, he came, this leper came to Jesus and said, Lord, if you're willing, you can make me clean. Of course, Jesus is more than willing. He's more than willing. And he, of course, he, he cleansed that leper. He says, look, I'm willing. I will be clean. Then Jesus heals a centurion servant in Capernaum. You can find this account in Matthew chapter 8, verse 5 to 13, and Luke chapter 7, verses 1 through 10. I'm giving you these scriptures so that you can see that Sister Pearl is not making these things up. This, these stories are all accounted for in the Gospels. Amen? So many times you could see Jesus healing. Jesus healed a paralytic who was let down from the roof right in front of everybody. Can you imagine? Jesus was teaching in a particular place. This paralytic had tremendous friends. I wish that all of my friends would have this type of faith. Thank God some of my closest friends do have this type of faith. They couldn't see their way in through the door, and so they climbed up on the roof, broke a, a particular portion of that roof, let their friend, their friend let him down through a, a rope that they had tied. Okay, they tied his bed to a rope, and they let that friend down in the middle of the room where Jesus was teaching. Well, I'm telling you, when you have faith like that, you can bet your bottom dollar, you can be sure that God, you're going to get God's attention. Faith will get God's attention every time. Every time. You're going to get God's attention. And so Jesus healed this paralytic who was let down from the roof. You can find this account in Matthew chapter 9, verses 1 through 8. Mark chapter 2, verses 1 through 12. Luke chapter 5, verses 17 through 26. And you might ask me, well, why do you have these different accounts throughout the Gospels? I'm going to tell you why. If three of you went to an event, 
and I was not able to go. When the three of you come back to the neighborhood where I live, and I ask you what took place, each of you are going to give an account depending on who you are and what you saw and what stood out to you. And just as it is with our natural friends and acquaintances, it was the same way with the disciples. One would particularly catch one angle of the story. The same exact story took place, but somebody else uh, emphasized something else. And what I love about Mark is that Mark was not present, but he got everything that was revealed to him by the other disciples. Amen. And so he, he took real good account of what took place. And I love reading his account, Mark's account, as well as Matthew, Luke's, and John. Those are the four Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John. Jesus heals a man with a withered hand on the Sabbath. That's a whole other teaching. Jesus raised a widow's son from the dead in name. Jesus heals a woman in the crowd with the issue of blood. Tremendous. Jesus raised Jairus' daughter from the dead. And on and on. Jesus heals two blind men. Jesus heals a man who wasn't able to speak. Jesus heals an invalid at Bethsaida. Jesus heals many sick at Genesaret. Jesus healed the woman who touched his garment, just that very him. Many of you heard me speak about that story in previous messages. Jesus heals a, a Gentile woman's demon-possessed daughter. That's a phenomenal story that I spoke about in the past. It goes on and on and on. I invite you, so many stories. I don't have the time to go through all the healings that Jesus did on this broadcast, but I can tell you, I've given you a good taste. Go and get into the Gospels, Matthew, Mark, Luke, and John, and see what Jesus has done. This all is a part of demonstrating God's kingdom on the earth. Well, you might say, well, Sister Pearl, that was Jesus. You know, what about Paul? Because he talked about, you know, the kingdom of God and, 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 and the kingdom of God is righteousness, peace, and joy. Well, what did he do? Because we know that he was an intellectual. He was a scholar. I'm going to tell you about him right in, in a few, but just, just give me a little bit. Let's go back and look at this part that I had read before, John 14, 12. Most assuredly, I say to you, he who believes in me, the works that I do, he will do also. And greater works than these he will do because I go to my father. And I want to tell you that one of the things he did in addition to healing those that were sick is he cast out demonic spirits. People that were demon-possessed got freed from those demons. Jesus would just speak a word. Those demons would have to flee. Read your Bible. You're going to see this time and time again. We've got so demon activity going around in 2023 that the kingdom of God cannot function without people being delivered from demons. If you go to a church or you're hanging with people 
and there's nobody getting delivered from demonic possession, something is radically wrong. Things are so bad in the culture that we live in. Sometimes you can just go out in the street and see the demons in people. I mean, it's so obvious. And sometimes it's not that obvious, but, but believe it or not, it's doing possession. It's causing people to act and do what they're doing. So, yes, Jesus delivered people from, from demons. Jesus healed the sick. Jesus raised the dead. Jesus walked on the water. Jesus turned water into wine. Jesus performed miracles. But even more than the miracles, Jesus taught us how to live. And the whole thing about the kingdom of God is he wants us to have a right relationship with God, more than even seeing and working the miraculous. He wants us to be at peace with God. To know joy in God. To to have peace with our fellow men. Sometimes that's not possible to have peace with our fellow men because they will do everything that they can to to make sure that they're not going to live at peace with you. But in your own heart, you can be at peace with them. That's a whole other teaching. We can get into that at another time. But what what did Jesus mean? John fourteen twelve and greater works than these he will do, meaning he who believes in me. So that's you, man of God. If you believe in God, if you're a child of God, that's you, woman of God. Greater works than these will he do because I go to my father. What are the greater works? Well, today we have social media. We have the ability to travel. We have the internet and the capability to do his work on a massive scale. Look at the great stadiums that can hold thousands upon thousands of people at a time. Live streaming, if they're live streamed, whatever takes place in that stadium is going to be seen by millions of people around the globe. The word of God is in print and in so many languages and on and on it goes. When you give even this teaching tonight is heard in more than 90 nations around the globe. Well, when Jesus taught, that was not a possibility. Technology was not to that point. The people would follow him. And those that could follow him and, 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 and go to the town that he was going or meet him across if he took a boat to go from one city to another city and they had the ability to do the same, then they could do that. But not everybody. So today in the world that we live in, that we have the capacity. This is how come I always believe with all of the filth that's on the internet and in social media. It's the people of God that should be really conquering this thing. We should take, and the Lord's been speaking to me, to do more than what I'm even involved doing right now, to take a hold of social media and to do damage to the enemy's camp 
as long as God would give us breath on massive scales. And I personally believe, this is just Sister Pearl's interpretation. This is not a thus saith the Lord. But I believe this is some of what Jesus meant, that greater works than these, the person that believes in me will be able to do. Because I'm going to my Father, and of course he's leaving his Holy Spirit. For those that love God, for those that follow God, for those that are living for God, we have the Spirit of God in us. And so we can, we can demonstrate the kingdom of God. Now, there's certain denominations, they claim that Jesus is no longer healing. All right? They say that, you know, casting out of evil spirits, that doesn't happen. People have to just stay demon-possessed. And they claim that anyone who speaks in an unknown tongue is possessed by a devil. Now, now this is just false teaching. With all the demoniacs that are around today, that almost everybody can see that unless you're really not, you know, breathing or you're in a coma. Of course we need demons to be cast out of people. Of course. Of course people need still healing. I remember being in a closed nation, and I tell you, I was in a closed nation, and I was in a government-sanctioned church. That's all I can say. I was sitting in the balcony. It was near the end of this service in a government-sanctioned church. So that was a big building, had at least a 1,000 parishioners or more. But I was in the balcony sitting with several other people in the balcony. This woman, a native local person, comes up speaking the local language. I understood what she was saying, pointing to me and, and, and with a loud voice. Now, as a foreigner, I had to be very careful because I was in a nation that did not want me to be promoting, neither did they want me to demonstrate the kingdom of God in that nation, but I, that's what I was there to do. So this woman comes up to the balcony, saw me, points to people, spoke loudly, that's the one that prayed for me, I'm healed. I'm telling you, she was causing a commotion. I grabbed my coat. My two friends that were with me, I said, we have to leave immediately, and we did. God helped us to just leave. Why? Now, I tell you to this day, honestly, before the Lord, I don't even remember praying for that woman, but I know I went into a lot of different villages. I went into a lot of different, you know, places, and I did pray for some people while I was in these villages. I do not remember that particular lady. Um, very well. I mean, her face looked familiar. I really don't remember exactly what happened. And I don't even think that I knew what happened. Probably she got healed after I left. That's a possibility. But, but anybody who belongs to Jesus and has faith to believe in his word, the same works that Jesus did, we can do also. It's not that I'm healing somebody or you're healing somebody. It's the spirit of Christ in you, the same spirit that raised Jesus from the dead. If that same Holy Spirit dwells in you, then you can speak 
to a sick individual and command the sickness to leave, and they will be healed in Jesus' name. Now, for that woman, obviously, she was healed. She was miraculously healed. Do I believe that God uses medicine? Yes, I do. At times, he definitely does use medicine. But in her case, she was just healed through prayer. And she believed God. Obviously, I prayed for her. She believed God. She, she got healed. Now, is that so unusual? No. We should expect God to heal. We should expect God to deliver. We should expect God cast out evil spirits. We should expect by the Holy Spirit for the kingdom of God to be manifested on the earth. Now, I love this. This is now. So I'm, I'm going back to quickly answer about these denominations that don't believe that people can be healed today. They don't believe that uh, evil spirits should be cast out of anybody. They, they're not doing that. Let me just say this. If you go to a church that they don't believe in any of that, then they don't believe in, in the kingdom of God being on earth today. And they might as well stop praying the Lord's Prayer, thy kingdom come, thy will be done on earth. They should just clip that particular clause out of the prayer and water it down and pray something that Jesus never taught us. And, of course, I'm saying this, you know, sarcastically, because, of course, they should not be doing that. They should be doing exactly what God told them to do. Let me read to you from 1 Corinthians chapter 2, verses 1 through 5. I could tell that I'm not going to be able to finish part 2 this evening, but let me do as much as I can. 1 Corinthians 2, 1 to 5. And I, brethren, when I came to you, I did not come with excellence of speech or of wisdom declaring to you the testimony of God. So I determined not to know anything among you except Jesus Christ and him crucified. I was with you in weakness, in fear, and in much trembling. And my speech and my preaching were not with persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration of the spirit and of power, that your faith should not be in the wisdom of men, but in the power of God. Now, now listen, God bless all the men and women who attend Bible seminaries and get degrees. Thank God for those who are able to more excellently explain the word of God. They know all about hermeneutics, which means, you know, the branch of the knowledge that deals with interpretation, especially of the Bible. But just make sure that they do not attend seminaries where the president does not believe in the virgin birth or the concept of God, the Father, sending his Holy Spirit to die on the cross to pay the penalty for our sins. Because, of course, this is exactly what God the Father did, and his son went willingly. Yet the president of one seminary, I'm not going to name it, but the president, not a professor, the president of one seminary in New York City. And I'm sure that there are other individuals just like that individual in other dead seminaries in other parts of our country and even in other parts in Europe and other places. They don't believe in the word of God. They just believe what God's word clearly states. This particular person, you know, she doesn't even believe in the virgin birth. You know, hermeneutics, for those of you that really do believe in the word of God, that's good. 
make sure that you at least go to a Bible school or seminary that they really believe God's word. Now, having understanding of hermeneutics, exegesis, which is the critical explanation or interpretation of a, of a text, especially of scripture, this is all good. But if you have all of that, and, and, and you can rightly divide the word of God, but you cannot help a person if they're demon-possessed or if they're suffering affliction and you have no faith to believe God to heal that individual, what good is your hermeneutics and exegesis? Again, you know, there's people that claim to believe in God, believe in his word, but there's another whole school. They're ignorant, deceived pockets in our nation. They take scripture way out of context, and they willfully put, listen to this, poisonous snakes in cages in their churches. Thank God this is not a, 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 a pervasive custom, but in some churches, in some very uneducated places, the leaders or one of the leaders ignorantly tempt God. They do this in ignorance. They tempt almighty God. And they take that verse about taking snakes, misunderstand it. So they handle poisonous snakes. They get bitten. They suffer intense pain. And as a consequence, some of these men have even died falsely believing that they did so for the Lord. However, now listen to this. This is the secret. If you don't see people in the Bible doing that, then you know you shouldn't be doing that. And nowhere in the word of God do we see any of the apostles in the New Testament or even the the prophets in the Old Testament. We never see any of them purposely taking up serpents to do anything unless God explicitly told them to do so. I remember when God told Moses to take um, the staff, and then it turned into a serpent. Then he told, he told him to hold it again, and it turned back into the staff. But God told him to do that. God never told him to go and play with snakes. And, and you don't see anybody in the New Testament playing with snakes and tempting God that they can do this and see, I, I have so much faith in God that I can t- t-. No, that's called tempting God. And even Jesus said in Matthew 4, you know, and he, and he quoted that from the Old Testament, thou shalt not tempt the Lord thy God. We're not, we're not supposed to tempt God. Okay. So don't do that. Anything that you don't see God saying explicitly in the word of God and you don't see any example of that, then you don't do that. And now going back to the learned Bible scholars, that's good for all the ones that are on point. They're, they're learning good. But I'm not impressed. And neither is God's kingdom advanced when these same Bible scholars are all talk and no demonstration. Hello? I'm going to repeat that. All talk and no demonstration. Again, I remind us of Paul, the apostle. He wrote, you're talking about being scholarly. This is a man that was schooled by Gamaliel one of the leading intellectuals of the day, knew the law, knew the word. Then he was schooled by the Holy Spirit, was extremely learned in the natural, 
and in the spiritual realm. Yet he, Paul, he did not just go around teaching. He demonstrated the power of God. Again, I repeat to you, 1 Corinthians 2, 4, and my speech and my preaching were not with per- persuasive words of human wisdom, but in demonstration and of power. Just let me quickly tell you one thing. Wow, time is really going by quick. Now, when they had gone through the island of Paphos, they found a certain sorcerer, a false prophet, a Jew whose name was Bar-Jesus, who was the proconsul, Sergius Paulus, an intelligent man. This man called for Barnabas and Saul who sought to hear the word of God. But Elymas, the sorcerer, for his, so his name is translated, withstood them, seeking to turn the proconsul away from the faith. Then Saul, who was also called Paul, filled with the Holy Spirit, looked intently at him and said, O fool of all deceit and all fraud, you son of the devil, you enemy of all righteousness, will you not cease perverting the straight ways of the Lord? And now indeed the hand of the Lord is upon you, and you shall be blind, not seeing the sun for a time. And immediately a dark mist fell on him, and he went around seeking someone to lead him by the hand. Then the proconsul believed when he saw what he had done, being astonished at the teaching of the Lord. I just read from Acts chapter 13, verse 6 through 12. What did Paul do? Just teach somebody? No, he was teaching, but he also demonstrated by the Holy Spirit the power of God, so much so that for a time this sorcerer was struck blind at the word of Paul, a man of God. I believe, listen to me, saints of God, that in this time and in this season, we should be demonstrating the kingdom of God as Paul did, as the apostles did. Signs and wonders were done through Paul and Barnabas. Acts chapter 14, verse 3. Paul and Silas's prison doors were open, and the prison keeper and his family were saved. Acts chapter 16, 19 to 34. Acts chapter 19, verses 1 through 7, 12 men were filled with the Holy Spirit. I love what it says in Acts chapter 19, 11 to 12. It says that just even... By Paul's clothing, just his robes, people were healed. People were delivered, even if he was not physically there. What is this that I'm talking about? I'm talking about thy kingdom come on earth is in heaven. If you want to know what I was just saying, Acts 19, 11 to 12, God did extraordinary miracles through the Apostle Paul so that even handkerchiefs and aprons that had touched him were taken to the sick and their illnesses were cured and even evil spirits left them. This is what it means to demonstrate the kingdom of God on earth as it is in heaven. And if you look at Acts chapter 28, Verses 3 to 6, you're going to see a legitimate understanding of what it means about taking up serpents. Because a, a, a viper fell 
on the Apostle Paul in Acts chapter 28, 3 to 6. And all Paul did in faith was shake that thing off. The people were astonished that he did not drop. All he did was shake it off, and he kept on going, kept on teaching, kept on demonstrating the kingdom of God. Why? Because God was with him, and God is with you, and God is with me as we put our faith and our confidence and our strength and our, our, our belief in God Almighty. You know, so many people think that, you know, for me to, 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 to be, you know, a big deal, I should go around wearing special clothing, you know, like a special robe or a gown. You know, you know some of these people, they, they, they have big titles. They give themselves big titles. They wear gold chains. They have people kiss their rings. Actually, nowhere in the word of God do we read that the apostles wore different clothing than anyone else. They did not need clothing to identify who they were. They were identified by how they lived how they conducted themselves, what they taught about the kingdom of God, and by the miraculous signs and wonders that accompanied their ministries. Even Jesus, the one that we worship, the one that we adore, his tunic was no different than anybody else's. I did the research. Actually, honestly, he wore what everybody else wore. He wore a a, a tunic that was slightly below the knees, not at the ankles, because men that wore ankle length tunics, they were the real rich, wealthy ones. And honestly, when we look at where he was born, he was not born in a palace, but a lowly stable in a manger with animals. So being born in, you know, extravagance, wearing, you know, big costly robes and big chains around your neck, that has nothing whatsoever to do with demonstrating the power of God. Nothing at all. My time is up. We're going to continue next Sunday night. We're going to continue. The Sister Pearl is definitely not finished with this. My Father, I pray for every man and woman that's listening to this broadcast tonight around the world, Lord God. If they don't know you, let them cry out to you, Abba. Let them cry out to you just the same way that they cry. And and just let them say, Lord Jesus, here I am. I know that I'm a sinner. Forgive me of all my sins. Wash me in the blood of Jesus. Send your Holy Spirit to come and live inside of me. I believe that you are the Christ. You're the one that gave your life for me. Help me to follow you. Help me to love you all the days of my life. And help me to demonstrate your kingdom on the earth, in my sphere of influence, in my neighborhood, with my people around me, for your glory. And God, I pray that you bring us safely through this coming week. Help us to come back next Sunday night, and continue to learn what it is to let your kingdom come and be demonstrated and manifested on the earth as it is in your heavenly realm. We pray this in the name that's above all other names, 
the matchless name of Jesus. Stick with me next Sunday night, Lord willing. I'm going to tackle some of the issues with the kingdom citizen encounters so that we can learn how to overcome and gain victories for the kingdom of God. God bless you. He loves you so much. Sister Pearl loves you, but he loves you so much more. Until next Sunday night, same time, same place. God bless you. Bye-bye. Step into the world of power, loyalty, and luck. I'm going to make him an offer he can't refuse. With family, cannolis, and spins mean everything. Now, you want to get mixed up in the family business. Introducing The Godfather at ChompaCasino.com. Test your luck in the shadowy world of the Godfather slot. Someday, I will call upon you to do a service for me. Play the Godfather, now at ChumpaCasino.com. Welcome to the family. VDW Group, no purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. See terms and conditions, 18 plus.